Searching for Canada's best startups. The Pitch Please Podcast. Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Give us your best pitch. Pitch please. Three, two, one. Connecting with Canada's startups to learn about their business and the amazing people behind them. Follow along and hear some of the most interesting ideas in startups from across Canada. All right, everybody. It's Mike. Welcome back to the Pitch Please podcast. Today, I'm here with Ran from UCAST. Ran, why don't I hand it over to you and you tell us a little bit about uh, your background, your role at UCAST, and a little bit about how you got here. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everyone. My name is Rand. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of UCAST. So um, it really started with my degree uh, at university. I studied entrepreneurship and strategy in my undergrad, which is a very niche and specific degree. Um, I've always known I wanted to go down the entrepreneurial route, but I had absolutely no tech background. Um, turns out my degree was just user experience design. So product design, in other words, um, with a little bit of like business on top. So luckily for me, I got exposed to um, tech and product uh, design and creating scalable products at a very young age uh, from university, which I think um, was a very unique experience for me that primed me to this uh, career route. Um, and then throughout my entire university experience, I've had internships at incubators uh, like the DMZ here in Toronto, which is a very famous one locally. Um, and I would work with tens of startups. Um, I would work personally within the incubator or outside of the incubator with startups. I would consult incubators as well um, on the startup journey. So really, I've been working um, in the space for for a while now. Um, and so when I graduated, really, I had the option of going the full-time route um, and start a career there or do my own thing. And I remember when I first got my first couple of job offers, um, my mom was like screaming from happiness because um, we're, you know, we came here uh, as refugees. And so being able to have a career right outside of university was, it was a pretty, you know, cool thing. And I remember just looking at her and being like, nah, ain't gonna happen. And she's like, hmm. And then she calls my dad and she's like, yo, did you hear your daughter's not gonna accept any of the offers? Um, and they all signed me down and they're like, what's going on? And I told them, I'm like, hey, I didn't study entrepreneurship just so. I can go and accept a full-time offer. I want to do my own thing. I am. I was 21 at the time. I was very young. I had some capital, you know, saved throughout the years. Um, I won around sixty thousand dollars in grant funding to build UCAST. Um, I didn't know UCAST at the time. Like UCAST was not the thing. It was something completely different. Um, but I had the time. I had the capital. It was the middle of the pandemic, and I was like, you know what? Might as well do it. So I started you know, looking for ideas, looking for problems to, to solve. And I stumbled upon, upon UCAST. And yeah, that's how, that's how it got started. So many questions. So maybe <laughs> let's, let's dial back. So where did you go to school, this awesome program specifically around entrepreneurship, yeah. in case people are curious? So um, what is now known as TMU um, used to be Ryerson. So the Ted Rogers School of Management. Amazing. And so they have a, a dedicated... Is it an undergrad program, four years specifically around entrepreneurship, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I have a Bachelor of Commerce. Um, so it's a Bachelor of Commerce degree. So if you decide to go that route and then you think, oh, I want a full-time job, it's very easy to go into consulting or finance because you already took, you have a commerce degree and you took the core courses. Um, but really the core of the program is 
We have a capstone that lasts for two years. And what made the program very unique is we didn't have many exams or tests. Um, we had to build businesses and report on them and report on how they were doing. So my entire third and fourth year of university, it was just exploring problems, um, building uh, startups, building ideas, starting Shopify e-commerce stores, um, just doing the most to try and get that hustle and that knowledge um, when we're an undergrad. And the idea was like, you know, fail fast, fail fast, fail fast, keep trying, fail fast, try the other the next idea until you land on something. So it was a pretty cool program. This is, this is definitely a passion point for you, this entrepreneurship. So it shouldn't have been a huge surprise for your parents, but I'm sure it was an interesting moment when <laughs> you had all these job offers and you chose to turn them down. When you think about what or who inspired you? You said early on in life, you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. Some people have that. Some people find that out later in life. But what sort of was the moment or what inspired you to to love entrepreneurship and want to go into this? Yeah, um, I don't think there was a moment. I think it was just accumulation of experiences and moments that I've had in my life where no matter what was in front of me, there was always a keen to 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 sell, to um, bring resources together to build. There was just, I don't know, there was something that always um, put me on that path. Uh, even like my older brother, he's practically a genius. He's been um, building robots since he was seven years old. Um, and he was like doing a lot of really cool shit at a very, very young age. And I remember just always like packaging his stuff and going to other people and trying to sell his stuff. And then he'd get mad at me like, why are you selling my stuff? Um, and I tell him, well, there's a real opportunity here. You know, you can make money, um, from the stuff that you're creating. So I think we've all, like, I've always had a dynamic where, um, I've always been like the business, uh, mind, um, so I don't know. It was just very so natural. Some of it might've just been hard, hardwired into you right from the start, which is awesome. Could be. Could be so, yeah. so obviously if you love entrepreneurship, it's mm -hmm. one aspect of loving what you do now, but can you tell us a little bit about why or how you love what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, I can also tell you how and why I hate what I'm doing now. So I can tell yeah, you. Yeah. I, I think both sides <laughs> are important. Sometimes the, the, the raw sides. grit. Mm -hmm. So, um, I love the Okay, how do I put this? Um, when you work for someone else, you're building someone else's life. You're building someone else's wealth. You're bringing value to yourself, but you're, the value that you're adding is collectively adding more wealth to someone else. And so in my head, it did not make sense why I would be putting in probably the same effort. Because when you're first starting your full-time job, you're putting a lot of extra time. So it's like building a startup. Um, so in my head, it did not make sense why I would put in the same effort to make someone else richer. Um, and so when I started UCAST and we finished our first fundraising round, understanding that I now have a net worth um, at 22, that was something that I've always dreamed of. And that was something that just gave me that empowerment that, holy fuck, sorry, I'm, I don't know if I'm... <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. <laughs> um, I'm like, holy fuck. I have a net worth. I never thought I'd have a net worth before. And so that was a moment of empowerment that made me realize it's just there's so much I can do for myself. And there's so much I can do for like the people around me, whether it's my team, whether it's my family, whether it's my friends. Um, if I put in 
you know, if I trust in myself enough, if I believe in myself enough, if I put in the work and the effort. So I think that was the first like aha moment of the power of entrepreneurship on my personal life. Um, of course, there's the, f- the flexibility as well. Um, and I love product. I love the fact that I'm able to like every day decide where I want to go with product. I love product so much. I think that I'll always say that. Um, and understand being able to understand the dynamics of a startup, how to scale a startup, the dynamics of a good product, that iteration, that innovation piece is just, to me, it's so beautiful. Um, and it's just so raw and so authentic in itself that I feel like it would be missing if I had um, went and worked for someone else. So that's what I love um, about entrepreneurship um, and about what I'm doing. What, what I hate, you hate. is, um, well, it turns out I hate selling. Turns out I really, really hate selling. <laughs> I should not be hearing. I should not be saying this. If my investors heard this, they would kill me. I mean, I've said it to their face. They know. Um, but yeah, it turns out I really don't like selling, and I love building product, and I love building product that sells. But in my head, I was like, mm, if I build a good enough product, eventually people will buy it. But then turns out that people need to know about the product for them to buy into it, right? So that's the piece I hate the most. It's okay. You can be an advocate and you can be a great <laughs> leader that understands product. And you can hire great sellers. When you when you look at so many amazing companies in the world, so many of the founders and CEOs weren't weren't specifically great sellers. So I think you're going to be okay. Um, I hope so. It's <laughs> it, it sort of like your comments. You you did talk about um, you know it's amazing that some people choose to create value for other mm-hmm. companies and work hard, but some people prefer to create that value for themselves. Do you have any companies that you specifically look up to, and if so, why? Oh, I think Shopify is one of the biggest ones that I look up to. Um, if there was one company that I would would have worked for, it was Shopify. Their um, integrity in everything they do, um, to me, that's that's really beautiful. It's very difficult to see a company grow to the scale of Shopify um, while keeping its core its integrity core integrity to clients um, and to employees. The employees who started with Shopify and who grew with Shopify, they all became so well off. They all went and started their own ventures, um, their own funds. Like they all just benefited collectively. Um, and there was just like this beautiful sentiment of we all grew together. We all created this beautiful, amazing, life-changing product for millions. And we all changed our lives in the process. So to me, Shopify will always be like one of those companies that I will always respect and look up to. And and it's really like a really cool, close to home Canadian success mm-hmm. story. And yeah. it's awesome that Harley and Toby are still super involved. I love yeah. that there was actually a, a podcast with someone from the Microsoft engineering team uh, related to a topic around GitHub. Uh, and I spent an hour watching Toby talk talk to mm-hmm. his, um, his Kevin Twitter. His tweets are amazing. Like if you like, he's one of the people that I love um, following on Twitter. Yeah, he's he's quite awesome. Well, now I, I'd love to flip about talking a bit more about about UCast. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm probably even going to want to learn a little bit about even how you got here. But before we do, there's a key element of every podcast, and it's just hearing your best elevator pitch. So, yeah. Rand, your pitch, please. Yes. Um, so UCast is a marketplace and an ad management platform that helps connect brands and podcasts, launch ad campaigns in the 
easiest, safest, uh, and most effective way. So right now, the uh, podcasting world is very segmented because the way it works is there are hundreds of networks and each of those networks manages hundreds of podcasts. And so if you as a brand, you want to go and explore the market, you go to each of those, each of those agencies individually um, and you're able to only grasp the market of each network and each agency. So you're not really looking at the overall market of what exists in podcasting and how can I get the best results for me as a brand? You're just looking at how can I get the best results from that specific network? So really what we wanted to do is we wanted to defragment the um, industry. I know there's a whole big sentiment right now of decentralization, but we wanted to kind of like defragment it and bring it back into one centralized source that helps you see the overall picture of the podcast that exists and be able to help you uh, select in an intelligent way um, which podcasts are the best going to be, which podcasts are going to be the best for your brand to advertise on. So that's really what we do. That's super cool. So when you started the show, you talked about the fact that you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur, but you yeah. didn't specifically know uh, that you would end up doing something like UCAST. You were sort of mm -hmm. looking for problems in the market. Tell us a little bit about how you started or why you started to latch on to this problem, which I think maybe even mm -hmm. learning a little bit about the problem you're solving would be good. Yeah. Um, so it was a plethora of different things. Um, it started with uh, an interview that I did uh, at CBC Fresh Air when I was like, I think 18. Um, they had invited me and they're like, hey, do you want to be on our radio show slash podcast? And I was like, fuck yeah, you're CBC. Of course, I'm going to be there. Um, so that was like the first time I got exposure to, I think, that world. Um, and I just found it pretty cool that I was able to just sit in there and just tell my own story um, of how I came here, how I built what I've built. Um, and I just fell in love with it. I've always also been a very talkative person and I love talking um, to a point where like when I was a kid, my uncle used to pay me to shut up. Um, so it was just like, I just fell in love with the idea that I can just sit in front of a mic and just talk about anything. So that was the first exposure that I had to podcasting, but I never really thought that I could like create a business out of it. And then the years goes by and I still do like podcasting here and there. I still hop on podcasts um, and I still talk to podcasters and I'm like very familiar with the problems of the industry. And that's when I started like hearing a lot of my friends um, or a lot of my fellow podcaster friends saying, oh my God, I hate that I'm not making money. Oh my God, this agency fucked me over. Oh my God, I hate my network. Oh my God, this brand did this. Oh my God, I just got scammed. Oh my God, this company is just not giving me enough ads. And just like the, the amount of complaints that I was seeing in my head, I was like, no way there isn't a solution out there. Turns out there isn't a very good solution. There are solutions, but there isn't a very good, well-rounded solutions. So my 21-year-old brain was like, hmm, I can solve this. So <laughs> that's how it started. That's super cool. And to your point, I think we're still pretty early in the infancy of monetization of podcasts. There's a lot of mm -hmm. podcasts out there. Um, there's probably less avenues of monetization or ways oh, yeah. to actually monetize them in ways that are super valuable and people end up putting them with video mm -hmm. on youtube and all these other ways to try to make money so i'm super interested to learn how that works yeah. so is, when we think about your primary audience of who uses this it does sound a little bit like a two-sided marketplace because you're going to need it podcasters is. and you're going to need it sounds like mm -hmm. advertisers but maybe tell us about 
who are your customers um, mm-hmm. and if it is a two-sided marketplace, it, how that works for each side. Yeah. Um, so I kind of fucked myself over with this one because everyone says how difficult it is to build a one-sided um, startup. So I went right into a two-sided marketplace as my first startup. So it's very difficult. Um, and right now our two user bases are podcasters and brands. Brands are the advertisers. We just don't like to call them advertisers. We call them brands. Um, and so, yeah, those are the, our two sides of the market. The dynamic of the marketplace or what we call the flywheel is we bring in as many podcasts from agencies and networks into the platform and we list them consistently every day. So the goal is every day we have hundreds of podcasts being listed on the platform. and we bring in brands from different sectors to advertise on those um, on those podcasts, and then we're hoping that you know those brands are able to generate recurring revenue for agencies and networks. When networks and agencies sees that there is value in using the product rather than just using emails and you know their outdated systems, they list more podcasts on the platform. So there's a like more supply chain, um, more supply. We're hoping that they also bring their brands with them. So we were hoping that the networks also bring in and channel the brands into Ucast because we're also a management tool, not just, you know, a marketplace to find podcasts. Um, so yeah, that's really how like the dynamic works. So we're hoping that one channels the other and brings in more from the other in a flywheel. I don't so, know if I explained that well. But. No, it, it makes sense. So when you think about which one you need to or you're focusing on acquiring mm-hmm. first as Ucast, do you focus on scooping up as many podcasts as possible or building as many brand relationships as possible? Um, obviously, you have to do mm-hmm. both, but what's sort of like priority one versus priority two for you? It's building relationships with brands because today, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, last quarter, there were only 1,000 brands that advertised. The quarter before there was 900. The quarter before there was like around 850. It is growing. But and that's specific to podcast advertising or just yeah, advertising in general. But podcast advertising. So if you compare that to literally the millions of startups and businesses that are advertising elsewhere, it is heavily um, undersaturated right now. Um, but then it brings up a different argument with is more saturation going to create better results? But that's a completely different argument. Um, but yeah, there Brand relations is really the the one we look for. Got it. So you're solving two problems, it sounds mm-hmm. like. One is finding out how to help podcasters monetize their shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is helping brands better create interactions with podcasts that are better aligned to their brands and make sure that their advertising dollars are going to the right places. Is that sort of the right kind of thinking? Um think so because um, those problems are kind of being solved by others. There are other monetization tools. So really, that's not the problem we're solving. What we're really solving is um, the efficiency of your advertising timeline. So the way that agencies and networks work today is, let's say I have an agency, I manage 100 podcasts. Me as an agency, I have to go and get brands. So I have to hire salespeople. Then I get a rate card. That rate card is essentially an Excel sheet that has all my podcasts with their rates, with their demographics, all of that. Once I send that to the brand that I'm prospecting, now we go back and forth in email trying to negotiate, trying to find the right podcast. 
I've done this so many times with agencies and my threads are no less than 50 emails per one campaign. Um, and then there's contracts and then there's payments and then there's IOs and then there's um, report backs and it's just everything is done in an outdated system and it's a very bad system. So really one of the problems that we're solving is that management piece of how can agencies and podcasts better manage their entire deal flow without that headache, without that confusion, without that 50 emails back and forth. So yeah, it's the, the, it's the brokering platform component of it. Yeah. Um, so that's the first piece. The second piece is um, how can we help brands find the podcasts that are going to give them the best results? So it's very easy for brands to go and find podcasts. Really, there's so many search tools. There's so many databases. But the problem is how can you find the podcast that is for you? So I'll give you an example. One of our clients is Empire Record Labels, and we're doing a campaign for Chris Brown. So they came to us and they're like, hey, what podcasts have been talking about Chris Brown in the last couple of weeks? And so that's how we determined which podcasts were right for them. It was not podcasts that were in hip hop and culture necessarily, but it was more so podcasts that have been using Chris Brown in conversation more often, right? So it's determining how can we find the right fits for, for brands. So now that we're talking about Chris Brown, they're super interested in us, right? <laughs> uh, sorry? We're, well, we're talking, we've mentioned Chris Brown at least yeah, five, yeah. 12, so now they're 15, advertise 20 times. Podcast. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'll send so, them your podcast after. That's awesome. Um, and so you mentioned that other people are helping mm-hmm. monetize, um, helping people find ways to monetize podcasts. You talk about your unique differentiator. Do you have competitors in this space? If so, who are they? You don't have to even mention their name, Mm. but like what are sort of the styles of competition or Mm. alternatives that exist in this space today? Yeah, there are many competitions. Um, I think the biggest are um, Advertise Cast and Acast, which are agencies um, that use tech. That's how I like to describe it. They're not tech startups. They're agencies that use tech. Um, so literally that's, that's who they are, but they are one of the biggest, um, a startup that actually uses tech to try and empower monetization is Podcorn. Um, but Podcorn has been used or all, most of the use successful use cases has been in what we call cross podcast pollination. So it's podcasts looking for other podcasts to advertise their podcast. So a lot of the advertisers on Podcorn are just literally other podcasts looking to pay other podcasts to advertise their own. Um, And so those are really the competitors that exist. There are so many different programmatic and dynamic ad insertion tools. We don't compete with those because that's really not our thing. They're indirect competitors, but not really direct. And so is there a specific size of podcast that is right for you, Cast? And is there a specific size of brand that you, Cast, Mm -hmm. makes sense for? Like, I don't know if it's for everybody or if there's a certain sweet spot. For podcasts, we welcome everybody. For brands, we welcome brands that are looking to start testing with at least $5,000. Previously, a lot of the brands that we worked with, they would give us like 1K and we'd do it. But what we realized is if you're not willing to spend $5,000 to test, not even to get good results, but just to test, you're not going to get good results. 5K is really the minimum you need to start testing. And then if that 5K does not give you a positive ROI, you cannot just be like, oh, I'm done with podcast advertising. You need to spend more money to find the right fit. And there are so many use cases where brands would spend you know, 10 to 25K at the beginning just to figure out their sweet spot. As soon as they figure out their sweet spot, they're able to be like, okay, 
now I know exactly what kind of ad podcasts work for me. Those are the ones that I'm going to create a very large distribution strategy with. So really, those are the brands that we love to work with are the brands that are not afraid to spend the money to test um, different strategies. Talk to me a little bit about um, the brands for a moment. Mm -hmm. So the brands, who traditionally are you seeing as the brands that... Mm -hmm generally advertised through podcasts like you said it's a it's a it's a finite market today mm -hmm. um who are the typical styles of companies and brands that do want to advertise on podcasts and why do they choose mm -hmm. podcasts specifically do you find so the biggest have been actually b2b um of course you've got like the better help the GoDaddy's, the squarespace the vpns um those are like the most known ones um but b2b has been one of the highest spending sectors in the last couple of quarters um and sorry what was the next part of the D question yeah i think the part was like it, who generally are you seeing advertising mm -hmm. on podcasts and why are they choosing podcasts mm -hmm. and then sort of even the expansion of that is why or what other types of brands should be getting into podcast advertising mm -hmm. as as they think about their strategies yeah the reason why we find brands are exploring podcasting is because other means of advertising is just not working um, it is very easy to drown in Facebook and Instagram ads. Uh, well, first of all, if you're B2B, really, you've got only a couple of options. You've got maybe Twitter. I don't know. Um, maybe LinkedIn. Maybe Product Hunt. Um, email marketing. Like you're, You have very limited options, right? So B2B has found podcasting to be one of the most successful um, strategies because it, it's, there's so many business podcasts so many marketing podcasts, so many B2B podcasts that target a very specific demographic that they're looking for. So we found that um, B2B, they love podcast advertising. But in general, um, the advertising market is oversaturated. The emails is overdone and overused and overabused. Same with Facebook, same with Google ads. Really, every advertising method has been overused and overabused. Um, podcasting has not. And we're not saying that it should be overused and overabused, but what we're saying is it should be explored at least. And then, and, and is that because also to your point, there's lots of business podcasts, but the people listening to them aren't always listening to them as their business, right? A lot of the times mm -hmm. they're wearing a their personal hat, but are just interested in these topics. Is that yeah. sort of your point? It's like how do you recreationally get to individual consumers that could be key decision makers for B2B solutions in a new way? Is that yeah. like I'm I'm the founder of Fuelcast. I am never no matter what I'm doing, I will always have that hat on, right? So if I'm listening to a podcast about, I don't know, anime. I still have the Ucast hat on. If I hear a product that I think is really fucking cool on that podcast, I'm still going to be like, hmm, let me send this over to my team. Like I will always have the hat of my professional um, of my professional career on, and I'm sure most people will. So when you're listening to a podcast, you're not just listening to it as, you know, as a, you know, a person of as Mike. You're also listening to it as the person who can make decisions at Microsoft, right? Yep. So that's how we look at podcasting is not just who is listening, but what kind of decisions can people make when they're listening to specific podcasts? Totally makes sense. And I, I mean, I love podcasts. I found personally, um, I, I, I'm not a person that prefers reading books. Mm -hmm. uh, I like reading articles uh, or topic deep diving. Um, and 
Then I started listening to audiobooks because they、mm -hmm. help me on the go. But I found that podcasts draw me in a lot more frequently because the topics discussed in podcasts are far more here and now, for the most part,、mm -hmm. the ones that I listen to. And it's a lot more human than an audiobook. Like, you build a connection. Yeah, and exactly, there's a connection. Like an audiobook is nice, but you get bored very quickly. But when you're listening to a podcast, it's, I don't know, it's a lot more human. And, and it's so funny because you actually, if done right, you feel like you're part of the conversation. And、mm -hmm. I was joking when starting up Pitch Please,、mm -hmm. um, I had probably just as many people interested. Oh my God, I just got the bun. I just you got, got it. it, right? You got it. <laughs> I literally just heard it. Yeah. yeah Anyways, go. <laughs> it's, it's a clever mic thing. I love my puns. But the amount of people that want to come join in these seats to、mm -hmm. participate, not even as necessarily topic experts, but they just love the concept of hearing what other people are doing and being a part of that conversation. It is a piece that I'm going to be weaving into the show, which is totally. Anybody that wants to come participate, even if you, I invite you if you want to participate, especially if it's someone that maybe you're introducing. I think it's super cool to bring in new dynamics of other people because the point、mm -hmm. of these shows is to be a conversation. It's like、mm -hmm. if we met at a tech TO event, we'd be talking about the same things. I might not get as much time because there's so many people there, but I, I do love the conversational aspect of podcasts personally. Yeah, me too. I, I love when I feel like a lot of the times when I'm listening to certain podcasts and everyone starts laughing, I start laughing with them and I'm like, I feel like I'm in the room. I feel like I'm sitting with my friends laughing. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. Really? Pitch, please.、Um, <laughs> so, so tell us, it sounds like I can make some assumptions, but I actually want to understand a little bit about how you、mm -hmm. monetize. Yeah.、Um, how, you, how you monetize the brands and if there's a piece where you monetize on the podcasts. Yep. So, right now we take、um, it's all transaction fees. So, we take a 15% transaction fee from the podcast.、Um, and then we take a 2.5% processing fee from the brand、uh, per campaign.、Um, we are looking to introduce SaaS models for agencies for listing podcasts、um, and creating admin accounts. But that is like a couple of years in the work,、um, not right now. And you said obviously any size podcast. Mm -hmm. um, can join、yep. brands $5,000 or greater for testing. Now,、mm -hmm. I want to circle back to that any size <laughs>、mm -hmm. <laughs> because,、yeah. like, are there actually brands looking to advertise on people with listenerships that are maybe two, five, eight hundred listeners per episode、um, yeah. in a micro strategy? Or, like, what, what are sort of the thresholds of that? I'm curious. We've had brands advertise on podcasts that have a hundred listeners.、Um, So, really, there's no discrimination there. I mean, they're、um, paying for listens anyway. Is that sort、yeah. of how they pay? It's, it's per listen?、Um, they pay per podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, per podcast, per listen. So, a regular CPM.、Um, it really depends on the brand. Like, we've got very small startups who, like, one of the best examples is a、um, food app in the US. And they're like, oh, get us on like a podcast, but we don't, like, we want to pay only $500. I was like, cool. So, I found them a podcast that is all about couponing、um, in the US.、Um, and I was like, hey, you guys are a food app that is all about saving money. This is a couponing podcast. It's all about literally saving money. I think it would be a good fit. So,、um, that podcast, I think, had like 200 listeners,、uh, but was charging like $50 per episode. So, they advertised for, I think it was like six episodes.、Um, 
And yeah, like we don't have discrimination of listeners. It really just depends on the brands and the needs the needs of the brands. Some want like a very niche micro strategy where like they want to advertise on like 100 podcasts that have like very small listenership. Some want larger podcasts with a lot of listenerships. So I should sign up. <laughs> you just sold me. Up. I should sign up. Anyone should sign up. I'm not saying you're going to get deals right away, but anyone That's should fine. sign up. Yeah, I mean, as uh, a podcast, I guess there's no harm in mm-hmm. being uh, listed in the marketplace, right? As yeah. as an option. Um, exactly. Now, actually, how, how does that systematically work? Does it live pull um, the regular listens of your podcasters uh, during the sign-up process? Do I list the topics we talk about to the audience? Or how, how does that piece work? Yeah, so um, the core information is pulled from an API. So like your cover, your description, your name, um, publishing sites, all of that is covered by the API. The rest, like your own data, um, like of listenership and demographic, you have to manually input it. Um, And then if you want to get your podcast verified, then you'd have to send us proof of your... um, of your listenership and then we verify your podcast based on that and we give you like a blue check mark verified uh and categories we also ask you to list that based on what kind of category based on the category of your listenership or like the category of, of the topic but also thinking about it from perspective of what kind of brands do you want to pull so if you want um b2b brands to advertise on you then you would be putting like business marketing sales whatever right so it's also thinking about the kind of brands you want to attract. So some of it is manual, some of it is automatic. That's cool. And it, and it makes sense. Uh, is the goal automatic uh, over time to automatically yes. pull? A bun- yeah. The goal is to be able to um, always have your live data um, from listenership and CPM uh, because listenership, it changes you know every month um, and it's going to be very very hectic and drastic for us to ask podcasters to pull in monthly listenership reports and upload that for us to verify it. So really the goal is to have live listenership data always being updated on the platform. Totally makes sense. So where... Where is UCAST today? Uh, if you're comfortable sharing some some stats, are you able to talk about how many brands are already using UCAST, uh, how many podcasts or networks brands have access to via UCAST? Where are you in the journey? Yeah, um, there's not much I can share right now, but what I can tell you is we fundraised, um, we're valued at $1 million today. We um, have over 500 verified podcasts on the platform that you're able to go take a look at. I cannot share the number of brands that we're working with, but we do work um, with a lot of B2B, um, fashion, SaaS, um, and record labels. Apparently I thought, I you know, I didn't think this was going to be an interest for record labels. Chris but Brown. Chris Brown. Chris, Chris Brown. Brown. Um, but we uh, work also with, with, with artists to advertise their, um, their releases and get them streams. So yeah, those are the kind of brands that we work with. That's super cool. Um, how how long have you been working on UCAST? Um, we incorporated May of 2021, um, but really the first MVP did not launch till November of 2021. But then the real product um, did not launch up until of May of 2022, I think. So okay. it's been a while, but actually constantly working on with a good product on a client strategy um i would say has been maybe six months 
Got it. So you're just, you're sort of still a little bit in that seed phase, just under a year past yeah. MVP with some actual users on, on the product. It sounds like a decent amount of, of users, which is really cool. Um, what's been, what's been one of your most memorable stories on this journey so far? Yeah. Um, I think it was the day we fundraised. Um, I had almost just given up on fundraising. Um, I had talked to maybe like 70 VCs. No one understands what we're doing. Not they they don't understand, but they're <laughs> unbelievably pessimistic. Everyone's so pessimistic these days. Um, but I have like I was about to just throw my hands up and be like, you know what? I'm bootstrapping this whole thing. I'm done talking to investors. And then we get on a client call with I was doing a demo with a podcaster. Um, and he owned at that time a podcast agency, a very big podcast agency in the US. He's a podcaster himself, so makes a lot of money. And he was interested. He's like, oh, let me see what this is about. So I get on the client call with him. Um, and at that time, I was, I was also like talking with three other angels that I was like very close to closing. Yeah. He sees the product. He falls in love with it. And he's like, are you fundraising? I was like, yeah, we actually like are trying to close right now our first um, round. And he asks how much we're closing and immediately matches it. Wow. And he's like, okay. Uh, like at that point, I remember just being like, what the fuck's going on? So I close the call with him. And I call my advisor right away. My advisor is like, again, this genius entrepreneur who made it very big, very young. Um, so he's had a lot of experience with fundraising. So I pick up the phone and I'm like, hey, da -da -da -da, this happened. And he's like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah, holy shit. And he's like, okay, you got to be calm. Don't do anything. Do exactly what I tell you, like word by word. So I'm like on two phone calls at the same time with my advisor and like this potential investor, like word by word, trying to translate to one another what's going on. And essentially, we end up closing that deal that night. We Congrats. end up fundraising. Thank you. We end up fundraising um, that night. Two days later, the money's in our bank. And yeah, it was one of the craziest nights ever. Because I was like, I remember like that day I was given up. And then by night, we had, you know, a safe that was signed by an investor who is also a podcaster who understands the industry, who knows what we want, who's able to help us. So it was just like, it was a magical moment. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's super special, right? You have not just an investor. And I think that's an important piece that people looking for investment is finding oftentimes someone who can help guide oh, yeah. or coach or be more than just the money. And it sounds like you got exactly that, which is the best mm -hmm. kind of match possible. Not just that, also with like our advisor, I always, I'll always call out my advisor to be one of the best decisions I've ever made for the company. Um, having someone by your side that you can call day and night for whatever, even like personal issues, um, like that acts genuinely as your friend for your best interests that can guide you throughout, you know, frantic moments like that. It is just it's it's priceless. There, you cannot put an equity amount or an, like a dollar amount on it because that kind of support really is very difficult to find. How, how did you, I'm sure there's going to be some startups mm -hmm. listening to this, but how did you find or choose your advisor? Since it sounds like it's such an important piece, I'm sure people mm -hmm. have many advisors, but it sounds like you found a couple special ones or at least one that's been super helpful. How do you yeah. go about finding or matching with such an amazing advisor? And what are some things you look for? Yeah. So for this one, um, it really happened by chance. It was my best friend's boyfriend's um, client. And I was in the car with my best friend and her boyfriend talking about Ucast. And he was like, oh, by the way, um, I have like equity in this company. 
Um, the founder is like 26, genius, just raised like a hundred million valuation. Really cool guy. I think maybe he can help you. I was like, cool, connect us. Um, so he connects us and I think it was like, it was a match at first meeting. Um, like as soon as we met each other, like I knew I wanted him and he was like, I'm ready to sign. Like, where is this? Right. Um, so it was really just like a very good fit um, for the both of us where he was building a marketplace. So he knew the dynamics of the marketplace, of, of a marketplace, not necessarily our marketplace, but he knew the dynamics of a marketplace. He knew the dynamics of building a business and scaling it very fast. He knew how to fundraise. He was at a very similar like age, you know, generation as me. Um, so there was just like so many things that just overlapped that made sense. And then over time, what really made me realize that this relationship with this advisor is very special is, well, number one, he never tells me what to do. The way he approaches our meetings is like in a very problem solving kind of way where we look at the things that are not working. We trace back everything. We look at leaky buckets. We see how we can cover those leaky buckets. So really, it's never I'm telling you what to do. It's always we're working together to figure out what is working, what's not. Um, so that's very special because I've had mentors that would always like undermine me and tell me what to do and then get mad when I don't do what they want. So that was the first thing. The second thing is like that availability piece. Like whenever I need him, he is there and I'm able to pick up the phone and call him very comfortably. Um, that is another thing is finding someone that you know is on your side that you know would be like your ride or die day and night. Um, that is very important. Um, and then someone who's advocating for you. Like he always advocates for us, which is awesome. And I love that. And we never asked him to, like, I've never asked him to pitch you cast ever. But he does that from the good of his own heart. We're like, no matter what room he is, he's always mentioned, or like at the beginning, he was always mentioning us. He was always connecting me with investors. Like he was always very proactive in his way of advising and in his mentorship, which I really, really appreciated because I didn't know what the fuck to do. Like it's my first time building a tech startup and I have no idea what to do. So him being very proactive in, in the way that he mentors was just really incredible. Is there like one or two questions? Um, I'm sure there's many, but is there one or two questions you would ask or think of for people to ask while looking for an advisor to, to land on a similarly great match? Yeah. So what is your mentorship style? That's, I think, the first thing you got to ask is understanding how they mentor. Um, there's a lot of authoritarian mentors, like I said, who tell you what to do and then get very offended when you don't do it. Um, and then there's mentors who kind of need you to be there, to be someone who's constantly asking them questions. So like I know I've had also mentors who if I don't reach out to them in a week or two weeks, they kind of get offended. Like, why aren't you reaching out to me? Right. So finding a mentor who doesn't make things about them, who really works around your needs. I think that's very important. Um, and then the second question that I would ask them is just really, I would vet their experience. Um, I would vet their knowledge. Um, if there's someone who built a startup and in a specific, like let's say someone who built software tech, but you're in deep tech, it's not going to be a match because they're not going to understand your problems. So finding someone who understands the problems that you're going through um, I think it's 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 very important. Like for him, he built a marketplace. So he understands the problems, the dynamic of a marketplace. So that's why it made sense for us to partner. Um, so yeah, those are really like the, the two key factors I would look for. 
That's super helpful. When you think about looking forward, like super long range planned, five mm-hmm. years out, what, what sort of your vision for what you cast might look like and what things yeah. might look like for you? What I'm trying to do with with UCAST is I'm trying to have, or my goal is to have 80% of podcast ad deal flows to go through UCAST. That is my goal, is to be able to transition the way Airbnb did, where it was able to transition almost like most of the travel real estate into one platform. Um, that's really the goal, the five-year goal for UCAST. That's amazing. And obviously, you're hard at work. Uh, what does the next six months look like for UCAST? Any major milestones that you're looking forward to over the next six months or anything yeah. specific you are looking to launch over the next six months? Uh, yeah, we're really, it's it's going to be on the sales end for us. Um, we really want to hit a 20 to 30K GMV monthly. Um, so that's going to be the next like big milestone over the next six months. Um, so really sales, uh, that's going to be the biggest thing. It's a big sales year. You're going to have to put yeah. your sales hat on. You're selling it great, I by know. the way, without even selling. So it's really good. You're, 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 <laughs> good you. year ahead. Um, where can people find out more and what are the best places for them to go if they want to either sign up as a podcast or sign up as a brand? Yeah, just go to ucast.xyz. You can find everything there. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Rand, Aburas, um, and you can ask me any questions you have. And I'll make sure to link all of these in the show notes. But if you're listening and want to type it in real fast, it's you, mm-hmm. like letter U, cast, C-A-S-T dot X-Y-Z, correct? Yes. And then you can also email me anytime at rand at ucast.xyz. Amazing. I have to ask, what's the XYZ? I'm sure some people are wondering what that is. They maybe it might be their first time hearing X dot XYZ ending. Yeah. So um XYZ was like a very big crypto Gen Z thing. During like 2020 crypto boom, 2020, 2021, everybody was buying XYZ. So I just like bought XYZ. That's cool. <laughs> really, yeah. I'm sure someone's wanted. asking the question when we said it. So I was like, let's just answer yeah. it real time. No, I was just like, it was very hip. I was like, hmm, XYZ. It is pretty hip. <laughs> that was really it. There's no background. Well, we're going to give some free advertising. So you said, you know, you're obviously in in the space and know a lot of mm-hmm. amazing startups. Um, after the show, it'd be amazing if you can introduce one or two or three or however many you really want that you think would fit the bill to to bring in their best elevator pitch. Um, one or two that you want to give a shout out to on the show that people you think are super cool mm-hmm. doing interesting things that people should check out. Yeah. Um my good friend, Justin Ford, he has Javelin Sports, um, pretty cool app. If you're locally in Toronto, you're looking to book um, specifically volleyball venues. That's the app to go to. If, or if you're looking for sports communities to play with, um, really, that's the app to go to. Um, another one is by my good friend, um, uh, Jaden, and he is working on Thrive, which is a really, really cool concept of being able to advertise streams in taxis where your Uber drivers or taxi drivers, they put a coupon code um, and that coupon code updates with like, um, you know, the, the, the regular streams or regular um, songs that are going up trying to increase streams. Um, so really another really cool startup. I know I did a terrible job pitching that. But it's fine. We're going to let them, we're going to let them come pitch. So Thrive yes. and Javelin, we've got to talk <laughs> yes. to at least Thrive and Javelin. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts that you want to make sure that we've kind of mentioned today? And then we, there's something really cool we do on the show, and I'm going to kind of spring it on you. You don't even know it's coming. We do it on every Ooh. single okay. podcast. But before we jump into that, is there mm-hmm. is there something that you want to kind of make sure you add that we didn't cover today about UCAST and your journey? 
No, um, all I'm going to say is, if you want to do it, go do it. Don't listen to nobody. Don't let nobody put you down. That's amazing. Well, the thing that we do here on the Pitch Please podcast, as you heard me say it, it's, it's actually a little bit tough to say Pitch Please podcast, Pitch Please mm-hmm. podcast over and over and over again. So okay. I ask guests to see how many times they can say pitch please podcast in a row fast Uh, at some point i'm going to circle back with a prize but so far i've been Mm -hmm. keeping count and then you all have to listen to the episodes to figure out where you rank what's the highest one so far i can't tell you you're gonna have to listen to the podcast to see where you rank there's a pretty high number in there though so let's see where you stack up you can start whenever you want i'll keep count fire it up Pitch please podcast, 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 Twenty-three, yeah. I'm up there. Oh, Rand, thanks for joining us today. I know thanks we had so to shuffle around the time a little bit to make it work. I really appreciate that. Thank you, everybody who tuned in to the Pitch Please podcast to learn more about UCast and the amazing work they're doing. I know I'm going to be signing up. If you have a podcast and you're listening to this podcast, I think it would be wise for you to at least check it out. As Rand said, you might not get brands coming to you right away, but I think this is a really smart thing to do as they build up an inventory of amazing brands and amazing podcasts looking to conquer 80% of the market (laughs) in the next five years. Uh, Good luck on the journey, Rand. Any closing words from your side? No, thank you so much for having me. Thanks a lot. Stay blessed, everyone. Have a great night, everybody. Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Tune in for regular episodes and show notes at pitchplease.ca. And make sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform.